When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Hernandez bangs a base hit to the opposite field. Kemp headed for the plate. Mazzara's throw up the line. And he is out. The benches are clearing after the collision. Unless the catcher is in the act of fielding the ball, he has to give a path to home. That was Matt Kemp scoring a run. Last night he scored four runs for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers had 21 hits and hit four home runs last night and beat the Pirates 17-1. to By the way, the oh. Dodgers in June hit 55 home runs. Oh. 55 home runs. That's a pretty good move. They had 116 this season. They already have five long balls in two days into July. And Kemp had uh, uh, four hits last night. Matt Kemp hit a three-run homer in the sixth and drove in four runs for the second straight game. He also uh, he had a double and a single. He had, he had eight straight hits since Sunday against Colorado. And he is leading... He's number two in outfield voting in the National League. He's going to start in the All-Star game after basically he was traded by the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers for Charlie Culbertson and Adrian Gonzalez, Scott Casimir, Brian, Brandon McCarthy, and Cash. Basically, the Braves were willing to take all the money off the books this the books year for the uh, Dodgers, mm-hmm. and they were... Dodgers were willing to take this load Kemp off the hands of the Braves. Uh, and basically, there were some people that thought they'd just release the guy. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Matt Kemp has uh, refound it in uh, 82 games this year. He has uh, got 15 home runs, 55 RBIs. He's hitting 323. And uh, he's got an on base of 359. Matt Kemp, two years ago for the Braves, 56 games he played, uh, 12 home runs, 39 uh, RBIs. He's been basically 2012, he played 106 games. He started in the All Star game that year, but then he got hurt. And he's basically been either injured or inept ever since then. And now, all of a sudden, Matt Kemp is tearing it up for the Dodgers. And Matt Kemp's salary 
that he has left. Because he signed the original contract with the Dodgers. <laughs> yes. And uh, he's at, uh, I believe, where did I put it? 21, something like that. 21 million. And they just took him off. He, they said, okay, we'll take him. Nobody else wants him. He's due 21. Yeah, it's 21.775 this year and next year. And uh, he's uh, now 34 years old and has 33, going to be 34. And he has found it again. An amazing yeah. comeback story. So don't give up on Miguel Sano, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> when he's 32 or 3, he might get his act together. You know what's funny? Just about, wait eight years. He'll yes. be fine. You know what's funny about the, the Matt Kemp story, though? Does this not just reek of a guy that's on a good team as opposed to a guy that's on a rotten team? Because when he was with the Padres and when the Braves were bad, now the Braves are good this year, but... When he's on those bad Braves teams, he was checked out, man. Oh, he was checked out, and he was also uh, not in his old form-fitting shape. No, because yeah. remember, he was the prototype was center fielder when he signed that extension with the Dodgers way back when. He was a when. slow, lumbering guy. That, that year. Uh, what was he? Uh, MVP runner-up, right? To Ryan Braun, yeah. yeah. When, then that's when Ryan Braun got popped yeah, and people for the steroids, wanted, and people uh, wanted him to give, wanted give the MVP to, away and to, give it to Matt Kemp. Kemp. Yeah. That's right. But God, Kemp was good that year. And uh, when, when, is, when is his last great year? I got to look that I up. I think it was that year, wasn't 11? it? When you, that I want to say, when did, when did Braun win the MVP? That was 20... Yeah, it might have been 2011. You mean what year did he not use steroids when he got... Well, 11, he was 39 and 126. 11, he was 39 and 126 with Woo! a 324 batting average, Matt Kemp was. And... Uh, 40 stolen bases, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He, uh, you know, he was striking out before it wasn't fashionable. He had 170 there in 2010, but uh, yeah. what a comeback. And uh, uh, the Dodgers, uh, look out, they're, uh, they're going to end up winning that division. You said they hit 55 home 50 runs in the month of June. Home. See, Bellinger started hitting them again. Well, I was going to say they're doing this without Seager, because Seager's out yeah, for the year, but too. but Bellinger was uh, terrible the first two months of the yeah. season, and now he's starting to hit home runs again. There's a, you want to talk about a launch angle, look at him, that kid is. That, but it's a kind of a natural, just a, I love his swing so much, Bellinger. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, he had an old man who was, yeah. you know, taught, teaching him. Old man couldn't hit, but he could teach it, which is. Uh, <laughs> By the way, there. Uh, we do have an update from Milwaukee. I know right. a lot how of our many, listeners are glued to Facebook Live right now. Uh, Eric Thames hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the fifth. Brewers are now up two to nothing. It was okay. relatively quiet up until this fifth. Who, uh, and uh, that uh, Junior Guerrera, Guerra. Uh, whatever it is, he's shutting out our twins. Yeah, and he struck out Joe twice already. Twins still have it. They, they're still at uh, one hit. Uh, still uh, focused. I there believe on so. I believe so. This the boys today were talking about all the walk offs and the variety of walk offs, and I had to call and remind him of the Zach Duke miss first base oh, walk off, yes. which yes. basically started this whole collapse. This whole ineptitude started when they got to Tampa Bay and got swept, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They 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 split with Cleveland. Because they they'd started out, what, 85 okay. or something yeah, like that? they playing okay. Yeah. They split with Cleveland. They had a day off before, a day off after. Of course, they also had three days off before, actually four days off before they got there because the White Sox got snowed out three days. But they got swept in Tampa, and they have been horse bleep ever since. Ever since. Uh, the... Uh, 
The uh, starter, Odorizzi, is uh, up to 104 pitches now okay. in the bottom of the fifth inning. Yeah. That's uh, hard to do. He, you know who uh, gets he gets on uh, Gladdy's nerves? Odorizzi? Listen to the broadcast. He's, uh, Gladdy would like him to be a little... Because uh, he's not a very fast worker. No, and he mm-hmm. won't challenge anybody either. Mm-hmm. He'll throw him that high fastball and hope they miss it. Anyway, go get him, fellas. Uh, we'll be back uh, with uh, Jim Cott. Part of the murderer's row of ball talk. Play ball! Here's legendary pitcher and broadcaster Jim Cott. Up. On the ride with Royce. Jim Cott is with us. So, Jim, uh, a week ago or so, I wrote about Harmon being a bonus baby. And before I forget, uh, I, got, I got a message from you that you, you now the bonus baby was... Uh, starting in 19, whatever it was, $4,000 or more, you had to come to a major league team immediately and stay there two years. What was your story? As a, you were not a bonus baby. How did they avoid that, sir? Well, uh, I'm thankful for my dad that, uh, that he avoided that. And, and if you'll remember, Harmon's career took a couple years before oh, yeah. really took off, as did Sandy Koufax. Uh, we had a terrific prospect with the Senators who became the Twins, Ralph Lamenti. I mean, this guy yes. looked like another Koufax. He got thirty-five grand to sign, and he just sat on the bench for two years. I think he pitched like six or seven innings in two years, and his career never materialized. So when the Senators offered me the 4000 package, which was the most you could get without sitting on the bench for two years, uh, the White Sox scout called my dad and said, uh, "We think we can get your son twenty-five grand because we think he'll be in the big leagues in two years." Now, at eighteen years old, I couldn't have told you what a big league ball player <laughs> what their salary was. You know, I just yeah. wanted to go out and play, and so I I didn't pay that close attention to it. And my dad said, "Pete Molito called. He can get you twenty-five thousand from the White Sox." Now, my dad made seventy-two dollars a week, so you can do the math and figure yes. out how many years salary that was for him, but he followed all those guys that got big money. I think Paul Gill was one yes, of Yes, Paul Gill had never had the career yeah. he should have had. Right, and so my dad followed that stuff, and he said, we're going to take the four mm-hmm. and go to the minor leagues and learn how to play the game properly and wow. work your way up. So that was, a, that was a really, you know, it took me a few years to fathom the the magnitude of that decision and how wise it was. And I did actually get called up to the big leagues in two years, but I got, you know, two and a half years of good minor league experience, a summer league, and then a full year in Missoula, and then part of a year in Chattanooga. So I kind of worked my way up the ladder. But that was so helpful to me because I saw a lot of the guys that got the money up front, and then, you know, they just they they never made it because – you know, you go to the big leagues when you're 18 and you're not ready to play, and then you're just taking up a spot. We had one in 65, really good guy. I, don't, I think he lives down in Texas now, and that was John Sefcik, our backup. Yes, catcher. right. Yeah, and he, that was uh, right at the end. That was right at the end of the bonus baby thing before the drafting yeah, then started. They, then they did away with that after when the uh, draft started. Late yeah. 50s, yeah, and then the draft started in 65. 
Yeah, boy, yeah, John Sepsik, I remember him. What a sacrifice for your dad, man. Night, what what year was oh, this? Fifty six, Jim. Fifty seven. Fifty seven. That's I, that's two thirds of a new house for mom and dad. If you take twenty five thousand, I, I think you know. As the older I got, the more I thought about that, and I said, man, that really took some willpower to do that. But he remembers the Tigers had like Jimmy Small and. They had a guy they called Diamond Jim Brady and then Dick Wakefield. And yep. They had all these, like you said, bonus babies. And none of, them, none of them really materialized into the kind of player they probably Al K-Line was the only one, really, that uh, was yeah, able to was, hold his own. He was an exception. Yeah, uh, he but was that was exception. it. Catfish Hunter. Yeah, yep. Catfish Hunter later on was an exception. But they're, they're few and far between. You You have to go down to the minor leagues and and learn your craft and i was very i still am very grateful that he made that decision for me to to go down to the bottom and get that experience hey jim what was your what, what was your dad's first name john and what did he do he for a living as, yeah he was not known as mr baseball i worked in a hatchery uh two about two doors down from where our house was down the street <laughs> and uh you know just a, just a comment but just such an avid uh baseball fan never a skilled player he was a big connie mack fan really? and then the first baseball hero i heard of as a kid was lefty grove mm-hmm. left-hand pitcher with the a's and i think back as we probably all do i wished that i would have asked him a lot more questions about what do you remember about ty cobb and mm-hmm. you know because he was right during that era wow he was born in 1899 so, so he was quite a bit you, you came along pretty late in life then huh, for... oh yeah i was i was a late mistake mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well that Probably isn't amazing that isn't one. amazing that a fa- <laughs> that a that a blue collar blue blue collar family could make that decision back then but yeah. i've always been amazed looking at it from a distance that the stupidity stupidity of major league owners that they would think this was a good idea to take the best prospects and have them sit there for two years and ruin themselves it was it's amazing well what they did it the, the reason they did it is they didn't want the the teams with the most money to yes signing all the talent because you didn't have a draft so the way to neutralize that was you could sign two of them but they had to take up a spot on your roster yep and so that's what they did with a lot of them. And if people, as my dad did, check the history, uh, there were very few. Uh, gosh, I can remember when Harmon was hitting a buck eighty in Indianapolis. Oh, sure. Yeah. And well, he was, was the dumb. day he he debuted as a pinch runner three days after he got signed, and about a week after he got out of high school, and got no at bats for six weeks after that. It was incredible. Yeah. It, yeah, it really was a disservice to. Uh, Fortunately, guys like Harmon and Koufax overcame it. You know, Sandy was the same way because he uh, he couldn't get the ball over the plate for a while. Uh, it took him a while to develop. Hey, uh, Jim, uh, start, uh, the Twins are on our, what's turning into a disastrous road trip here. They're in a state of utter collapse. Uh, they were in a Wrigley Field over the weekend. It was hot as could be. They scored 25 runs and lost three times. I saw that boy. It's uh, I know for uh, Derek Falvey and Molly and these guys, got to be so disappointing because uh, you know in the spring when they signed some of those veteran relievers, yeah. they got Lance Lance Lynn and Order Izzy. They they thought uh, 
you know, I think everybody did that they'd at least be pretty competitive in that division here. Cleveland really was there for the taking because like Tito Francona, I did a Cleveland game and he said, we're so lucky to be in the central because we're yeah. not playing very well. They, uh, they, they missed this Brian Shaw out of their bullpen. Yeah. That's the thing today with just about every team. It's a bullpen game. Yeah. You know, your elite starters, you look at them and they go seven innings and they're gone. And so you, and it's not their fault. It's the way the game was, is operated. So, the teams like the Yankees that have four or five studs coming out of that bullpen, and the Red Sox have done pretty well with it. They're they're the teams that uh, that nail down the victories. But then you see teams like the Twins; they have a lead after seven, and then it kind of implodes. Yeah, Rodney had been good, but now he's blowing two in the last two times out. Uh, Jim, what's amazing? The, the surprise team in baseball right now to me is Tampa. They're five hundred. And the way they're doing their pitching, you, you just wonder what 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 is going to become of pitching. Is this going to become the norm that some reliever starts and pitches two innings, and then you bring your starter in in the middle of the game? It's uh, it's they're doing something that's never been done before. And at this point, they were supposed to be terrible, and they've won half their games. Yeah, they've done really well with that. Kevin Cash is done a good job of kind of maneuvering that pitching staff. They swept the Yankees about a week ago. But, well, you know, Johnny Sane said back in the 60s that the day would come where your number five starter, we were just using actually number four. We had four-man rotation, and some teams were having a hard time finding a quality fourth starter. And he said the day is coming when the three guys are going to pitch three innings each. And I said, you got to be kidding. Mm -hmm. And then he said, the day is also coming when if you can pitch one clean inning, you're going to be a very valuable guy. And he said, you mean, I said, you mean you can just go out there and pitch one (laughs) inning, one, two, three, and you can make like $10 billion. I mean, I just didn't see that coming, but I, I think a lot of it is Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay people say, it's out of desperation. They're missing Archer. They don't have a lot of quality starters. If you had Chris Sale and yeah. Porcello and Price, like you, you wouldn't do that then. But out of necessity, they have to, and they're doing a great job with it. Have you been at Wrigley uh, lately? Uh, not lately. I did that series early in the year when they swept the Cubs. Probably as, as unusual a series for today's game of baseball. Who, who, the swept, who swept the club, Cubs there? The Cubs swept the Brewers. Oh, okay. And the in uh, that was in late April, I think. And the Brewers scored two runs in three days, and the Cubs won all three games and never scored more than three runs. Yeah, and then they go they, and get they had on that streak. Yeah, but uh, that's unusual to, in, in today. But I have been to Wrigley, and I needed a guide <laughs> to uh, show me where the clubhouse was. Oh, yeah. Under the, I mean. What they've done with that ballpark is just phenomenal. It is. Uh, they haven't done the visitors' clubhouse yet, or the press box, as you found out. But here's oh, what yeah. I was going to say: <laughs> it's like, at least in the summer, the madness around there, the the chaos around there, the the jam packed nature of it. It's like going to a college football game before the game. People are there two and a half hours early, and it's it's incredible. You know, I stayed in that hotel right across the street. Oh, you got in there. Everybody wants to stay there, man. Yeah, I I got in there, and that was so cool. You're sitting looking out your window, and (laughs) people are playing catch in that little terrace down there. Yeah, it's a a happening. So, uh, 
yeah, it really is a special atmosphere. There's not many that can uh, that can duplicate that around Major League Baseball. Hey, we're just any. we were on, on this day in 1974. I was looking up some stuff. Mike Marshall pitched his 13th consecutive game. That was a major league record. Do you never, uh, as many teammates as you had, you never had Marshall, right, as a teammate? Mike no, Mar- I uh, no, I played. I played against him. He was with the Twins, and yes. actually, kind of a unique situation. He was with the Twins, and I was with the Yankees in '79. Uh, and Burt and Gidry were scheduled to be the starters, and it was pouring down rain in Yankee Stadium. So Billy Martin comes to me and said, "If the rain continues, but they do get started, they're thinking it may rain again later. We don't want to start Gidry." And I believe Mock was the manager. They're, they're not going to start Blylevin. So Marshall and I started against one another. I got oh, a really? four to nothing lead. Yeah, I got a four to nothing lead <laughs> after four. And Billy comes over to me. I thought he was joking. He said, do you mind if I bring in Ron Davis? Because he has a chance to set the rookie record for wins. Huh. I said, well, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> so, so R.D. comes in and pitches the next two or three, gives up three runs, and he gets the W. <laughs> wow, that's... Uh, but, yeah, Marshall... He was unbelievable. He 106 appearances that year, 1974. Pitched 200 innings out of the bullpen. I talked to him a lot about the care of the arm. He was yeah. the one that got me pitching without a sweatshirt because he had all this evidence that when you wear a sweatshirt, <laughs> it saps oxygen out of your body. He, I couldn't understand it all, but I said, if it works for him, I'm trying it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he he was phenomenal there. One of the few right-handers that threw a screwball. Yes, and that, that's what also, as hard as a screwball is on an arm, to be able to pitch that often is just amazing. I cover yeah. him for a couple of years there. He was screwy, but uh, he was... Yeah, uh, he was... He, 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 he was left-handers much. Speaking <laughs> of left-handers, this was so cool. I go to do the... Red Sox game last Wednesday, and I'm I'm going in early to meet with my friend who's a good friend of Dave St. Peter. He's Sam Kennedy, who's president of the Red Sox, and so I'm going to the office door, and I see this guy with his cap sideways, and he's kind of, he's mimicking my walk, Mm -hmm. and he's hollering, hey, could I have you, could I get your autograph? Well, he gets close to me. It's Bill Lee. Oh, Bill Lee. Yeah, I saw him in spring training. Yeah, so there Bill and I are standing outside Fenway talking about how in today's game we'd be thumbing up all these slow curves. You know, they got these guys that throw 98 miles an hour, and then when they get called up to the big leagues, management says, well, we want you to throw sliders, curves, and change-ups. Yeah, <laughs> Lee was uh, – yeah, Lee is uh, – I ran into him in spring training. He was he was at a game down there. He is still a beauty. He just came when I saw him. He said, I said, where have you been? He said, I just pitched a game down in Rhode Island. <laughs> he pitches about three games a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's unbelievable. That's okay. So who you got? Uh, you got any, uh, what do you do, watch fireworks on the 4th, or you go to, you got to work, or what are you doing? No, I don't. I got a game next week. I uh, got the Indians uh, and the Yankees in Cleveland. Okay, coming that's, into town. You got any next. twins duties here in the next month or yeah, so? Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be there for the Hall of Fame weekend. Okay. Yeah, looking forward to that. We got to get uh, Caesar so that in that Hall of Fame, Jim. You know, I I I think so too. I vote for him, and I was kind of disappointed when we had the 2015 World Series reunion, 
and they didn't have any of Caesar's family there. They didn't even really, and I think it was an honest uh, mistake, but they didn't really recognize that he was part of the team. Yeah. And he was such a, I mean, where we where we really bonded is, I don't know if you remember, I pitched opening day in 65 when we had the flood. They flew us in by helicopter. Uh, Rich Reese, yes, uh, right. uh, Rich Rollins, and Dick Stigman, Bill Buffet, and I, we had to fly over the river by helicopter. We only had 16,000 people there. So I pitched that game. I got a one-nothing one nothing lead in the ninth, two out. Pepitone hits a little pop-up. I got my glove off. I'm going to shake hands with Earl because we're going to win the game. <laughs> the ball hits. I mean, a little league kid could have caught it. And it hits Caesar in the heel of the glove, and he drops it. And the tying run scores, and then they pinch hit for me, and he's down the dugout, his head down. I said, hey, Pepe, you're going to knock in the winning run in this mm-hmm. game. And he, wouldn't you know he came up the next inning, and he did. He knocked in the winning run. So we really had a close bond, and uh, he was so much fun to play with because he played with a, a lot of enthusiasm. And as a lot of Twins fans know, when he played every position, he struck out Reggie Jackson in that game. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Jim. Hey, have a good holiday, sir. You too, Patrick. Take All right. Care. The great Jim Cott got a little long there, but uh, who's going to complain? Huh? Anybody listening to this show that thought, you, I don't think you're ever going to hear you talk to Jim Cott for too long. Today, <laughs> no. All right. We'll be back. Well, dangerous cross, Cavani! It's them again! That fearsome front two combines to give Uruguay a stunning start here in Sochi. When you see me in misery... Bruce McGuire, Do Nord Soccer, D-U-N-O-R-D, is the Twitter account in Do Nord Soccer. Uh, Bruce, we now have our final eight, sir. Uh, give me some quick observations on what you thought of the round of 16. There was some incredible late goals. I mean, that that's what you dream of in any sport is when it goes down to the last minute. How about yesterday with Belgium coming back against Japan? That that had to be the best game of the round. Yes, and of course uh, today, Colombia scoring uh, in extra time to get the Brits into uh, into overtime and or extra time and uh the the overtime period uh england uh, didn't look who was who's the old guy on the england sideline is that the manager is that the coach no the manager is a pretty young guy named Gareth. Well, who's who's the older guy that looked like he was going to die when they were down 3 to 2 in penalty kicks I was watching with an Englishman, Steve and I thought the same thing about him I thought he might just croak over right there watching that final yeah, well, there's a guy, there's an 80-year-old guy there standing there, and he's basically got his head in his hands when they get behind 3-2 <laughs> to two in the penalty kicks. You don't know who that was, huh? Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if, if we're talking about the same guy. I know that the coach of Columbia, with the, did he have, like, the real, real thick head of gray hair? Yeah, maybe I mixed up. Maybe that was the Columbia guy. I I, I, think, I think that's the Columbian coach uh, who has the great name of Peckerman. Oh man, well he's uh, he's uh, number seven from Columbia. I hope he's safe when he gets back home. That's all. Oh, I don't. Boy. I don't yeah. think. I don't think uh, now that Pablo's not involved in the soccer, it's maybe not as dangerous to uh, miss a penalty kick in the World Cup as it used to be. Yeah, there's a good chance he may have a home in Europe he can go to as well. That's that is good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Give me the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, Uruguay and France. Is that the best of them uh, right now? No, well, maybe not. Uruguay and France is the first uh, uh, quarterfinal on Friday, 9 o'clock, uh, 8 o'clock our time. Uh, what What do you think? 9, nine o'clock our time. Okay. Uh, here's the problem. Uruguay's top striker, Edison Cavani, hurt his calf late in that game, and... We don't know if he's going to play or not. He had to come out, and he looked in a lot of pain. And they, uh, soccer is kind of like hockey. They're not going to tell us beforehand, right? Oh, hell no. And I'm <laughs> sure they got lots of horse tranquilizers and all kinds of great stuff going into his body right now to get him ready. And if they don't have him, what's it mean? Wow. I mean, I just don't. France has too many weapons for Uruguay. If, if Cavani is out, I... I I can't even come up with words here. I'm stuttering. I, I don't know what I don't know what Uruguay's going to do. I mean, they got Luis Suarez, who's who's you know like one of those maniacs that can do just about anything. But that's a big piece. Yeah, but Uruguay's played as well as anybody in this whole tournament, right? They have, and Cavani had not played good until the last two games, and he came out so strong, and he scored both those goals here in the round of sixteen, and he was just a monster, and and. If, he, I don't if, know, I mean, if France, he's ninety percent, who do you like? Wow, wow! You put me on the spot. You know, I I think I'm going to go with the upset and say Uruguay because mm-hmm. France's defense is a little little wobbly. And uh, yeah, Uruguay, uh, do they uh, this this roster? Is it filled with guys uh, playing in Europe and uh, other leagues like that? Some, but there's probably half the team that plays in South America too, and plays, oh, really? in, plays in Argentina. And but those, it just makes those guys so brutally tough. You know, they're like guys who just broke out of prison almost. All right, and uh, Belgium, uh, which has uh, been uh, pretty dang good too against Brazil. Uh, what do you think? I think you've got to look at the coaches, and I just think Belgium is out coached. Really, uh, they've got a guy Roberto Martinez and. You know, he's one of those guys that goes on TV and he's a pundit. He's incredible. He, he can pick every little thing apart, but when it comes down to that game, I, I'm not positive. I think Brazil's got something special going on. So where is Roberto Martinez from that he's the Belgian coach? I think he's from Spain. Okay. And, and he's... He, coached, he coached in England for quite a while. That's how a lot of people know him. It's some of the mid-level teams like uh, your mighty Everton. Oh really? Hey, now is yeah. Belgian uh, is Belgium being in the quarters a surprise, or are they that good? No, this is their golden generation. This is where they should be. Really? This is they yeah, got this, their best this, players that they've the ever best had. Ever had, and the best they may ever have. This who's, is this is prime who, territory for Belgium right now. Who's their number one stud? A guy named Eden Hazard, who plays for Chelsea in England, and uh, but you know this last game, two of their most derided players came in. Fellaini and Chadley, who a lot of people pick on, and a lot of people say, why are they even on this team? And they scored the second and third goals the other day. So that's what the team this is. Okay, have you have you ever been over there? How crazy are they for it in uh, Belgium? Belgium is kind of mid-level, you know? Mm-hmm. They like to sit back and drink a little bit of a lighter beer and kind of <laughs> enjoy life a little more and kind of mock a little. You know, they're, they're like... Uh, Maybe not a snide version of France, but Maybe as uh, as uh, as soccer fans, uh, not not quite as crazed. Then they're, they're not, but they're smart and they're cool and they're really nice. So I'm going to give them points for being cool and nice. But you obviously like Brazil to win, huh? 
I do, man. They, they, they're one of those, every time, they're almost unstoppable. They're almost unstoppable. They have so many great players. Mm-hmm. And, and Neymar, really, is, uh, Neymar really, is fully healthy? Oh, I guess so, but his antics, Patrick, <laughs> it's just so painful to watch. It's just brutal. I mean, I don't know how his teammates put up with it. It really is exhausting. If he wasn't as absolutely great as he is, I don't know how any team would want that uh, guy. Bruce McGuire's with us. What's the worst thing about him? It just uh, when he gets bumped, he acts like uh, he got killed, or what is it? Oh, absolutely. There's so many. There's so many memes on the internet right now from this tournament alone. It's insane. There's one called Rolling, Rolling, Rolling. And it's just these clips of him just rolling down freeways and starting avalanches and, and, and running over people on the sidewalks and on and on and on. It's just brutally. Hey, Bruce. Uh, Bruce, the brackets are like the Western Conference of the NBA against the Eastern Conference oh of the God. NBA. Oh, my God. NBA, you got Uruguay, France, Brazil, and Belgium. And then you got yeah. Sweden and England. Who do you like in that game? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not excited by it. Let's just leave it at that, okay? Mm-hmm. England isn't that England, I, England isn't that good. I, I they have so many great young players, but they're just boring as hell to watch, you know. And so Sweden. I mean, they're, they're strong teams. Don't get me wrong. I shouldn't be so negative, but they're not fun to watch. And and but I think England's got it. I, I this is the best shot England's had to get to a final in a long time. But you know. The, the other team in that bracket is Croatia against Russia. And Croatia's going to get rid of the godless Russians for us, aren't they? Oh, God, I would hope so. But I, I, I'm starting to think that there is something. Oh, I don't even want to think of what happens if Russia gets to this final, Patrick. Well, uh, Croatia's had a very good tournament, though, right? Croatia's great. They have a lot of great players. They have this little kind of almost mousy-looking Central midfielder named Modric that's as good as they get. He doesn't get any credit. He's an incredibly talented player. And, you know, he's just taking this team in his own hands. He's about five foot six, a hundred pounds dripping wet. He never falls down. He never whines. He just keeps going. Okay, I'm putting you down, Bruce McGuire, uh, uh, Dunord Soccer. I'm putting you down for Uruguay versus France and. England versus Croatia in the semis. You're on the record, sir. No, Uruguay versus Brazil, not France. Oh, oh, that's right. That's yes, right. Yes, yes, They're going to beat the French first, Uruguay. Okay. All right. Uruguay and France. Uruguay and Brazil. Yes, that's right. Not yes. Belgium. Excuse and me. Russia. Too bad Belgium isn't in the other bracket. They'd be in the finals. Absolutely. All right, Brucey. Thank you. Thanks, brother. All right, Brucey, winding down his vacation. He's got to use two weeks more of vacation. The hell's wrong with to, him? Uh, to uh, watch the World Cup. Uh, you know, hey. Hey. What the hell? Some of us take trips so, to Chicago on the train on our yes, time off. Yes. Some of us like to watch people dive, you know. Worse than if, if it was Duke versus Duke in basketball, it couldn't be this bad. Ride with Roycey. Let's hear the boys' daily complaints. I have a big daily complaint that we can basically turn into a discussion here. Facebook Live. So, no, that's not. <laughs> I changed the name of it for the Twins game today before it started to Facebook Dead. But, uh, 
Uh, that was, and that fits the question I'm going to ask you guys. Okay. An NBA, a bad NBA team, and man, we've had a hundred of them here. Mm-hmm. Is, is, can be boring as hell, but it doesn't really get you that worked up, does it? I mean, you just kind of forget about them and they go about playing their games and you ignore them. Hockey, bad team. Even if you're a bad team, you're going to get some points with the system they have now. Right. And you, just you, losing you, overtime, you you'll get, get a point. You don't get beat 14 to 2 or something like that. You lose, you get a point. You're always within 20 points, 10 points of the playoffs, no matter how rotten you are, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, the, what the hell? It's, you know, you, as I say, you're, you're not going to be completely inept in hockey. And the Vikings, there's only 16 games and, you can always find some hope in them, even when you're third and three, three and thirteen. You can get disgusted, but it's not a daily thing. What I'm getting to here, fellas, this guys made a career about finding hope with that club. Yes, what I'm getting to, fellas, is there's nothing worse than a bad baseball team because yeah. it goes on and on and it's and every on, day 162 times and when it's a bad baseball team that you thought was going to be pretty good mm-hmm. then it really becomes disgusting and this I'm more disgusted I'm more disgusted with this collection than I am 16 when they went 59 and 103 because there were no expectations. I, well, 15, they made that little run, but okay. they still look like frauds, didn't they? I mean, they didn't, you never, last year, it looked like serious improvement. Yes, it right? looked like the it stars like that we thought decent, were going to get here are it finally like arriving. A decent yes. ball club. Maybe we're being introduced to the, you know, last year was kind of like the 2001 turnaround, mm-hmm. right? And that team actually would have been the wild card team if there was a second wild card mm-hmm. team in 01. They would have been fifth. TK's last year. Yeah, TK's last year. And to to have them be that's they're going to lose 95 games. Yeah. By the t- when they start dumping here. Yeah. I mean, they just went on a road trip and managed to eke out one win against the Mighty Whiteys. And they almost blew that one. Yes. And and they they go into Chicago and they get twenty five runs. How the hell that happened is anybody's guess. And they get swept, looked awful, played awful in the field. That's the thing. Now last year they were great in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can't make plays. They they're mediocre. Of course, they don't have Buxton. I was going to say a lot of it has to do with Buxton. Uh, they don't have Buxton. And you just said Bobby Wilson's one for twenty nine as catcher, and yet. What's their option? They can't because the other kid can't catch. catch. Yes, I mean it's uh, to to you know, and I was sucked in in spring training. Now I had a bad feeling when Polanco got suspended that this just like okay, our bad the first things going to happen fall. here. But and then Irv got I, hurt. I, yeah, our Irv hurt. And Irv, by the way, you want to talk about Andrew Wiggins and uh, you know Andrew Wiggins plays. You think Irv's rushing back? No, not. I don't no. see a guy rushing back. He knows it's his last year here. Uh so it's it's you know anybody with me? How disgusting this is! I, two, I, two hits today, by yes. the way. Is it over? And, well, no, it's, it's in bottom of the eighth right the now. Eighth it's two nothing Milwaukee. Well, it's okay. It, yes, it is over essentially. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, pretty I'm much not over. Suggesting they're going to come back. But let me ask you a question before I before I uh, answer what you had asked. If if Irv had not gotten hurt, would they have signed Lynn? Because I don't think they would have. Right? No, 
No, they wouldn't. Have they would, that that they was a reactionary move that to was, the Urban yeah, injury. They, not after they'd already made the, they still would have made the Odorizzi trade, I think. Yes, but uh, no, they would. They would not have. And what's what's funny, Pat, is your two what you thought were going to be cornerstone players in Buxton and Sano. Mm-hmm. I think that should be more appalling to the fan base than what we're see, the product currently being seen on the field. Yeah, well. You know, because that was the it, hope it, it being sold funny, for though. five years. And I heard somebody else talking about this, and it's really true. We were talking about Buxton being a star, right? A star. Yeah. And now we're talking about, man, if he can only hit 250. Right. What happened? We well, can't say, and that seems oh, man, like, if he could only hit 250, seems like a lot to ask we're right going to be satisfied. How can you be satisfied? I blame anyway, those reckless spending poll ads. You know what I want to tell you guys? Have a good fourth. <laughs> <laughs>